what you're seeing in front of you is a uh, folder, which obviously some can be somewhat self-explanatory. There is a, uh, a reference that I'm using. It is from my professor. It doesn't mean because it was my professor that it's correct. But I have, I pretty much uh, am in agreement with most, if not all, that he says. Um, he started a book. His name is Steve Singleton. Steve Singleton. The pages you see, most of which are coming in front of you, come from this book. I have added some other things, and I will continue to add to this book uh, to make it uh, on an as-needed basis. But I tried to initially um, copy that which I thought you needed so we could have an intelligent discussion on Revelation. I think that was a good point I just made, an intelligent discussion. I think there are um, a lot of... Um, Ideas out there on the book, I think, uh, matter of fact, many within and outside the church have heard many a thing and have, because of just the prominence of hearing it over and over and over, have accepted it as truth. I think we need to, and I know we need to, open up the book of Revelation. It has something to say to us, um, but we need to start with some background. So... Even before we start going chapter 1, verse 1, and no, we will not do verse by verse, but we will do thought by thought. So we're going to go through the chapters. We're going to grab what's necessary for you to understand. What I also want to offer you is, I will, and I, it was suggested by my family as well, is that we'll, we'll pass a paper around. If you have a question, write it down and let it all get back to me, because then I will decipher what the main questions are. You'd be surprised some people have multiple the same question. I will try to address it. I'm going to anticipate 666. I'm going to anticipate what is the beast of Revelation. I'm going to anticipate what about the Antichrist. Listen, I'm going to address all those things, but it takes time. But before it takes time, it takes building a foundation. And that's my hope. We need to build a foundation. Revelation was written to a specific people for a specific purpose. You can't ignore that. There are certain biblical principles, and you're going to be students of the Bible to learn when you study your Bible. This is good for all of us. There are principles you need to use, not only for the book of Revelation, but all else. Whether it has to do with context, whether it has to do with historical background. Matter of fact, if you are in your book, uh, I didn't mean to start this way, but if you look at page number, it's not the fourth page, but it's number four. Most of them are in numerical order except for a couple. It's about the fifth or sixth page in. You'll see a circle, uh, something that looks like a bunch of circles, uh, concentric, concentric, concentric circles. Thank you. This page right here, one right here. Uh, it's not my goal today to talk about that, but we are going to need to talk about that. And maybe we'll start there, at least looking at principles called hermeneutics. Hermeneutics are rules in studying your Bible. They, he, my professor at that time, Steve Singleton, I have to give credit where credit is due. Um, you can buy this online uh, if you want to go into a deeper study. I think he does an excellent job. I would recommend it. There are other books that I recommend. Um, I recommend a, a book by Jim McGuigan. Going back to the 1970s. Uh, if you want to go back to the 1950s, this is hard to get, but you can eBay this. It's called Worthy is the Lamb by Ray Summers. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Not even a member of the church, but I think he has a good grasp of Revelation. More recent is um, Craig Coaster's, which is Revelation and the End of All Things. 
But if the one thing you'll notice in all these books is they all start with history. So before you start the book, you should know the history. But we should do that whether we're reading Colossians, Philippians, Ephesians. We should know what's going on so that we might know, particularly Revelation. There are world events going on at the time Revelation is, is written. We need to understand that history to understand why the book was written, and then we can best see what these symbols are saying. I say symbols because Revelation is a book that is unique, that many of us are not used to reading. It comes from a genre called apocalyptic language. You're not used to reading apocalyptic language. You have read it, but you don't remember reading it. But we find it in Ezekiel. We find it in Daniel. We find it in Matthew, uh, Mark, and Luke in some places when he talks about the destruction of Jerusalem. Revelation is one of those books called apocalyptic language. It's a language that the Jews were very, very aware of. It took place 200 years before Christ and was still being written 200 years after Christ while even these books of the New Testament were written. Apocalyptic language is in here as well. Uh, Steve does a, a, a good job, so I'm going to do that at one point too. So I'm just telling you, before we start running, we need to walk, okay? But I hope to give you a nice background. <coughs> Intertwine books of Ezekiel, Daniel, maybe even go into the gospel, maybe even today, and show you principles to study your Bible by. I like his principles. Can we just read them together? It says general hermeneutics, which means general rules to principle, uh, principles of studying your Bible. The following principles apply to any biblical text you're studying, whether Revelation or Mark or 1 Samuel. Number one, interpret the Bible as you would any other book. Go with the simple and obvious meaning. Can I tell you something? When you read something somewhere, and it's very simple and plain, you read the same subject, the same concern elsewhere, but it seems a little, what is he really saying? One of the rules of the Bible is you always interpret the unclear by the clear. What we end up is switching around. We say, I don't understand this, and this one I see, but somehow I'm going to take what I don't know and throw it into what I know. No. What is clearly spoken of, we use as a basis to understand what might be somewhat mysterious to us. Remember again, we're using, uh, we're using principles of symbols. Symbols is a different way. When you interpret a symbol, a symbol doesn't mean what a symbol is showing. When it shows a red dragon, he's not talking about a red dragon. Matter of fact, I know that because the Bible will tell you right in Revelation what the red dragon is. It'll say that dragon who is Satan. Okay, so now you have an example. I just gave you one. We're going to see multiple symbols in the book of Revelation. We have to say, what is that symbol saying? Not, oh, I see a dragon. I see a star falling from the sky, hitting the earth. I see a third of the stars falling. A third of the, really, a third of the stars? <coughs> okay. There's a purpose for saying that. Apocalyptic language is cosmic. It talks about the world's going to end. It's the end of all things. And we get caught up in that and think every time we hear it, we obviously know it's talking about the end of the world. No, it's not. Again, not my opinion. I will show you the Bible. Let it prove itself. Okay. Number two. Assume the writer employed the right combination of words and forms to get his point across the way he wanted. I'll just keep going. The meaning of text is limited and controlled by its internal context. 
That is the paragraph and sentences which lead up to it and follow it. You cannot, and we do this even here, you cannot take a verse just because you like it and make it say anything you need it just because it looks like it. No. What was said before it? What was said after it? What was the purpose of saying it? Something cannot mean now what it never meant then. I'll say it again. That's the reference. It cannot mean now what it never meant then. You can't make it say something now because you think some world event or something it looks like or we can make it fit something in today. What did it mean then? You can't change its meaning. If it tells us it means something, we have to understand what it's trying to tell us. Okay, keep going. It's limited by not only its context, by its geographical. Where was it written? Cultural. To whom was it written? Historical background, which is important in Revelation. What is going on at the time it's being written? There's a purpose in every book. Do you know when he wrote to the Philippians, there was a reason to write to the Philippians? And there was maybe a struggle going on in that church? He talks about an argument that's going on. you ever read that? Okay. Remember this principle. Books of the Bible were not necessarily written to us but were written for us. No, I did not just say something that was blasphemy. The Philippians was written to Philippians, for the Philippians, for something that they needed. Corinthians, read it. He, he addresses many problems. Thank God they had problems, because we use those principles, and we apply They're applicable to us. But let's not always make them think they were written to us. And this is the problem with Revelation. People believe it was written to us for 2000. It used to be 1979, but now it's the 80s. And then it went, oh, it's written to us in the 90s. No, it's written to us in the 2000s. Now it's the 2010s. Everybody tries to read it as if it was written to them, for them, for their generation. It's going to happen then. Well, I'm sorry, but then we just cheated 2,000 years of history. Was it not written for them? Okay, if there are things written to us, I will tell you what was written for us, to us. The only thing that's written to us is things that have yet to happen. Can I tell you that? There are things in the Bible that are written for our knowledge. There are things that have yet to happen that we need to know about. My understanding of the Bible is everything has happened up to the point of, but not including, Christ coming back for a second time. That has not happened yet. That was written for us. It's written in many books. The resurrection of the dead. Everyone shall be raised from the grave. John chapter 5. I tell you the truth. There is a, don't be amazed. When the righteous and the unrighteous shall be raised from the grave. That has not happened yet. God's final judgment has not happened yet. Those are the three things that have not happened yet. And we read in Corinthians. When that happens, Christ will take the kingdom, give it back to God, and God will be all in all. I give it back to the Father. Right now, Christ is on the throne. We know that from Acts chapter 2. He is the King. He is the Lord. Oh, you know, you crucify the Lord and Christ. Oh, what must we do? Repent. Be baptized for the forgiveness of your sins. They knew what they did. Christ sits at the right hand of the Father. In John 14, 15, and 16, He said, I'm going to go, but I'm not going to leave you alone. I'm going to leave somebody with you. Who did He leave with us? I'm going to leave you not alone. I'm going to give you another comforter. The Holy Spirit. That's what you receive in baptism. Forgiveness of sins and the reception of the um, Holy Spirit. Okay, so there's a plan going on, people. We just got to see God's plan. 
Keep going. Uh, the geography, the culture, the historical background. And then he says, see figure one. Do you see that figure one? I like that. He wrote the smallest circle says the target text, meaning whatever you're reading, try to understand it. But then realize there's a paragraph written around it, words before and words after. Then the book. Read the entire book. This is my goal for you. You will not even be able... I started algebra once, and it was in... Well, when we started, nowadays, I don't know when they started, like sixth grade? Yeah. I was in ninth grade when they started that. I needed nine years before. I still didn't get it. <laughs> but I remember the teacher coming in on day one going, da 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 algebra. I mean, it's like saying trigonometry. I'm sure, uh, you know, people on these tables can tell us what trigonometry... I don't know the first thing about trigonometry. But it'd be like me coming and saying, we're going to study trigonometry. Okay, anyone have any questions about trigonometry? Uh, yeah, what? I can't ask the question until I understand a little bit and then understand what I don't understand, right? So, you're going to have a hard time asking me questions about Revelation if you don't open up and read it. Okay. I'm not telling you to understand everything, but it's going to make my job either to talk and make reference and you not get real lost when I jump to some other chapters. I'm going to try to help you. In that respect, I did you a favor and my teacher did you a favor. I wrote a little, real quickie, 22 chapters, what basically is going on. Do you see it, page 1 and page 2? But then my teacher came in and he wrote even a better one in page 3. And page 4. He really wrote it in reference to trying to decipher the 666. And we'll get the 666. But I thought he did a great job in writing a nice little summary. If only if you read that, I would be happy. But please read the book of Revelation. It's 22 chapters. Three chapters a day or whatever you can. It will prosper you. I will do the same, so I promise you I will do whatever I ask you to do. Okay, so I'm sorry to say page one and page two. When I say page one, I mean page one in your book. Oh, thank you. There it is. First page. Second page. There is a difference. Third page, which says 146. That's why I said it's not necessarily in order. It's basically in order, but it's not necessarily. Fourth page. So I don't know. I, maybe I'll talk in pages. And I'll number, I'll number mine up here and go, and then I'll say sixth page, 17th page. I like that. So there, we're all learning. Your go booklet, ahead. Your booklet is almost as confusing as Revelation. Huh? No, 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 it's not. <laughs> Steve, Steve, they're, they're going to give up before they start. Why do you think people don't study it? Because they say, I can't understand this. I'm just going to leave it alone. And because of that, we have people running wild with it, making it say something it was never intended to say. Most of Revelation, of all of its verses, most of them are references to your Old Testament. Steve does a good job about that as well. I, I might have put it in here, I may have not have. But references to the Old Testament in Revelation are numerous. The reason people don't understand Revelation is they don't understand their Old Testament. Yay! If you, I'm going to try to show you what it meant then to help you what it understands now. It doesn't always mean the same thing, but it definitely helps us. So, I don't want it to be a mystery. I want it, it was never, if God just wrote it to be a mystery, then he, he tells us, he tells us, well, let's read Revelation 1, the first couple verses. And that's where we're going to start. We're going to actually read the book. 
Everyone there? Revelation 1, verse 1. I told my daughter, we're trying to eat an elephant. You only eat it a bite at a time. Isn't that the saying? Okay. So my point, every time we meet, we have 15 minutes, and I will make this point in 15 minutes, and then we're going to pick this up. I would love to say next time, but you know my schedule, so it's every other week. Sorry. It's every other week. But I, it needs to be profitable for you and for me. So every time we meet, you will learn one thing that you need to know, okay? I promise you that. And we're going to build those principles. The first principle we're going to learn is the time principle. When the Bible gives you a time reference, don't ignore it. If you ignore it, and many do, it's only because you are prideful. You believe it needs to say something, that it's not saying, I need to make it say something, and the only way it'll say it is if I ignore what the Bible's telling me. That is just wrong. Okay? It sells a lot of books, but it's wrong. I will also, and it's a shame, but what I'm going to have to do is unravel what has been raveled. What you hear on the radio, what you hear, what some of you already are carrying in your hearts that you heard but don't understand, I have to tell you why you heard that. I have to tell you why that's being said, where they're getting that from, show you the context that in fact it's not saying that, okay? So you can tell the job in front of me is large, but I think it'll be profitable. Are you willing to take that ride? Please don't get tired. I'm not going to go verse by verse. The reason is, is for that very reason. By the time I get to chapter 8, and you forgot chapter 1. So my goal is... Hit it hard, move on. Hit it hard, give them something they can hang on to, and keep moving. Answer the questions that they're going to give me. I'm going to say, okay, today we're just going to do some questions. I have a question here. These are good. Let's address them. Okay, that's how I'm going to do it. Meanwhile, we'll go through the book. Now I'm going to give you a chance to speak right before we read. Any, any concerns? Any helps? I mean, I want to make it profitable for you. Anybody? Does that sound fair? Fair? Yes, Greg. You mentioned that you want us to prior to the Would you please? So for next two weeks. Two right weeks. Now, have two weeks. What chapters do you want us to be through by the two weeks? We, I am going to touch on one because I can't get through it today. I'm going to rush through what our gentleman spoke about, chapter two and chapter three, but I need to tell you the purpose of why he wrote it and just kind of go into that. That is light reading, one, two, and three. When you get the four, all of a sudden John's going to be taken up to heaven. And you see that, because if you read my little outline, you'll see that John is taken up into heaven. Look at chapter four. Reveals a heavenly scene where the creature, creator, I'm sorry, sits on a glorious throne receiving worship due to him by thousands of angels, by elders, and by creatures. So you can use my outline. Please read it. You should read Philippians this way, Ephesians this way. Anytime you read a letter, don't stop. Don't Read the whole letter. It was written as a letter. When they read it to the church, but remember, they didn't have a book. They didn't tell you, open up the book. To, they didn't. A gentleman got up and he said, I'm now going to read. And he read God's holy word. And he read it from the beginning to the end. That's the best way to understand a book. Because it's a picture. And if you let it just talk to you, like when your aunt reads you a letter, do you stop at verse 2 and say, Ooh. What was she saying when she said red flowers? Why did she come, what did she say the red flowers were? What, just read it. Keep reading. Just read it. And get a general feel of what your aunt was trying to tell you when she wrote you the letter. Thank you for the red flowers. 
Okay, they were really red, they were like pinkish. I, mean, I don't know. You can get off on tangents. Ah, I touched on it. It's called apocalyptic language, and you and I are not used to reading that. It started 200 years before Christ. It was written 200 years after Christ. Apocalyptic language is figurative language written, and we'll touch on it, written in a way that we're not used to. We hear the, the moon going dark, the stars falling from the sky, and the sun turning black. That is the end of the world. No, it's not. I'm going to try to show you that today. It was written in that way. Some believe it was written to conceal. I've heard that theory. It doesn't weigh heavy with me. Why? I initially thought so too. And it's even stated that it is. Apocalyptic language was written during a time of the Jew. It was Jewish in nature. The Jews went into Gentiles. Uh, went into um, exile 500 years before Christ ever came. Things started to change for that nation. Their temple was destroyed. They had no priesthood, no sacrifices, no temple. Sounds like 70 AD again. They had to find a strength within themselves. Within themselves, men of, of good stature said, we need to hang on to our faith. The one thing they had was the scripture that they heard. They didn't have it, they didn't have the scrolls, but they had the word. They shared it among themselves, and certain men rose up. You know what they became? They became the pious ones, which we learn in the New Testament is a Pharisee. Didn't you ever question yourself when you open up the New Testament? Where did Pharisees come from? Sadducees come from? Why are we saying rabbi all of a sudden? Did you see Sadducee, Pharisee, or rabbi in your Old Testament? Say no. No. But do you see that blank page between the Old Testament and the New Testament? All of a sudden we get Pharisees. We get Sadducees. We get zealots. We get rabbis. What is this? Again, I'm going to help you with a little bit of the background. But what happened is there was a language. People were apostatizing. They were being influenced by this foreign nation. What if they took you out of America and threw you over in Czechoslovakia? I don't know why I picked that word, but Czechoslovakia. If you can spell it, you get a dollar. Czechoslovakia. You start to take on the culture in which you're in. And the pious ones said, we can't do this. We can't become Babylonian. They have different thoughts and different gods and different... Oh, God put us here, so obviously He doesn't love us. He gave up on us. Boy, oh boy. That's a theme that you'll read over and over. God didn't give up on them. But there were writers, Art. Not inspired writers, but writers who wanted... Who had this... Why did God leave us? People are leaving the faith. If we write in this cataclysmic... No, no, no. It's the battle of good and evil. Revelation again. Good and evil. If we write this, we want people to stay faithful. Read chapter 1 of Revelation. What they want to do is say it and say, God wins in the end. But yes, we are under oppression. We will be killed for our faith. But we will overcome. God is faithful. He has not left us. We will be victorious. There is a Savior coming. Yes. If you read many of the apocalyptic works, there's a, someone who comes as a Savior to save them. Now you know what the Jews thought the Savior was going to be, right? A king that was going to... My kingdom is not of this world, Jesus says. If, if I needed that, I would have called him, right? Pilate said, you're a king. Where's your, where's your army? He said, if I needed an army, I'd have an army. I don't, my kingdom's not of this world. But we know they have trouble with this. 
It was to inspire, to encourage, to say, don't give up. God is coming. Well, guess what Revelation says? Don't give up. Don't give in. Keep the faith. You read that when the gentleman got up here. What was he going over the churches for? I hope he showed that to you. Remain faithful. Remain faithful. Remain faithful. You're losing your faith. You're trying to hang on to your faith. I accommodate you for this, but you're not doing this well. Hang on to the end, even if it means giving up your life. Something must be going on during Revelation. Oh, that's right. It hasn't happened yet. It's going to happen. No. Something was happening. And I want to read chapter 1 and tell you um, a little more about apocalyptic language coming up in another session. Go ahead. Uh, I know you mentioned the several books that you have. Yes. And I also have found... Did you find... Good for you. Good. Go ahead. To concentrate on your presentation and between the Bible and these notes, or are we going to, I can see getting very confused between the way different people present something. Yes, I'm going to give you my. I'm only going to touch on the premillennial uh, dispensational understanding because I think it's a ball of yarn that has been wound so tight that we carry some of those thoughts with us. Who's the Antichrist? What's the 666? What? I'm going to try my... Yes, stay with my study. Yes, oh, I love you. Stay with Tom's study. I'm just saying, for those who want to go deeper... Um, I would recommend Steve's book or one of those other books to read at your leisure. But you're going to get a lot out of this class, is my hope, okay? So pray for me, please. Okay. The one thing, I said you're always going home with one thing. And remember I told you, when the Bible gives us a time reference, you can't ignore it. So let's learn the time reference. Let's read. Revelation 1. The revelation of Jesus Christ. It, revelation just means an unveiling. In the Latin, apocalypse, or apocalypse. That's why you'll hear it, the apocalypse. The revelation of Jesus Christ, it, does, it either means the revelation which Christ is going to give, or it's the revealing of Christ. We're unsure what the revelation of Christ means. Either Christ is now going to reveal himself, which makes sense, because Christ is going to reveal himself in this book, as the lion lamb, as the one who sits on the throne, as the one whose robe is drenched with red blood, and he's called Lord of Lord and Kings of King. Yeah, you'll see it. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants what must soon take place. Did everyone see that? Is everyone just going to ignore that now? What does soon mean? Lion, I'm going to come over to your house soon. Is it going to be 2,000 years from now? It's going to be soon. That wouldn't be a lie, Exactly right. Oh, but Tom, you don't realize. I go to Peter, and Peter says, A day is like a thousand years, and a thousand years like a day. So soon could certainly be 2,000 years. Okay, I'm going to get a cap. I'm going to put it on every time, and it means think, think, think. If I was writing to God, that would make a lot of sense. It was a book written not to God or for God. When God tells you soon, He's speaking to humans. 
When you tell a human soon, you mean... Other than that, he's just trying to confuse us. He's not trying to confuse you. Please, don't use Peter as it could be 2,000 years. You are barking up the wrong tree. He said soon, he means soon, and it did and was happening soon. What you're reading in this book, some of you aren't going to come back after I tell you this, is going to be fulfilled soon after the time it's being written. Only because the Bible tells me. He made it known by sending his angel to the servant John. Yes, we believe this to be the John who wrote the Gospel of John, 1st and 2nd and 3rd John. There is some qualms about who wrote it. I'm not too concerned with it. John, who testifies to everything he saw. He's seeing a vision. It's something he saw. It's a vision. That is, and oh, here comes some of the background. What did he see? That is the Word of God and the testimony of Jesus Christ. Blessed is the one who reads this. That's why I'm telling you to read it. (laughs) Blessed is the one who reads the words of this prophecy. And blessed are those who hear it. Okay. If you notice, it says, blessed is the one who reads it. Now, you just made yourself um, think everyone had a book. No. Someone got up and read it. That's the one who reads it. He knew it was going out to the seven churches. But when he read it, everyone heard it. It would be as if I got up here and read Revelation to you. Blessed is the one who reads it, and blessed are those who hear it. They didn't get to take notes like you. And take it to heart what is written in it, because the time is 2,000 years from now. Because the time is... Near means near. In Greek it means near. It means near. There's no other word. It means near. Don't make it say something it doesn't say. Near. I really... Anyway. Twice soon must take place and near. John, verse 4, to the seven churches. Who was this written to, people? No, it wasn't written to us because, you know, it hasn't happened yet. It was written to seven churches found in the province of Asia. Yay, we'll look at those churches. I gave you a map. So now you know who wrote it. You know the time reference in which he wrote it. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen soon. And it, it, there are certain people who need to hear it. Who are those people who need to hear it soon? Seven churches, thank you. Thank you. We need to hear it because we can certainly use its principles. God wins. Amen and amen. There is evil in this world and Satan hasn't stopped yet. Amen and amen. There is persecution of the saints. Again, amen. These things are still going on. Different countries, different ways. Ultimately, stay faithful. That's what he's going to tell the churches. Alright. Go to chapter 22. The beginning of the book and the end of the book. Chapter 22, verse 7. Can someone read verse 7? Behold, I am coming quickly. Blessed are you who keep the word of the prophecy of this word. Thank you. How many chapters are there in Revelation? 22. Chapter 1, I'm coming soon. Things that must happen soon. 
In the end, he says what? Behold, I'm coming soon. Blessed is he who keeps the words of this prophecy. Why would that mean to anybody keep the words of the prophecy if it's not meant for them? Why would he tell them to keep the words of this prophecy if it didn't mean anything to them? Why tell people for 2,000 years, keep the words of the prophecy, if it's only meant for a generation that hasn't happened yet? It's going to happen in their generation. He's telling them they're the ones who need to keep their ears open and keep the words of this prophecy in this book. Um, I won't go through it today, but in verse 10 he says something that's very important and we need to go to Daniel to understand it. Then he told me, do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book because the time is near. There's a time reference again. He says, don't seal up the scroll. What does yours say? At hand, At hand near, quickly. Use whatever English word you want. It's just, you know, someone is translating this into English. And in the Greek, it means soon. It means right away. It means next. It means whatever you see in front of you. Unless they're trying to translate um, and trying to deceive, which I don't believe is their, their goal. It's interesting that he says, don't seal up this book. In, Reve- in Daniel, similar thing is happening where a scroll is given to Daniel. The angel says to Daniel, what's going to happen won't happen for a few hundred years. Seal up the book. It's going to be a while. Now he told Daniel, seal up the book because it doesn't concern you. It concerns the generation that's going to come. Yet in Revelation, he says, this is going to happen soon. Don't seal up the book. Why? Well, to be consistent, he told them to seal up the book because it was going to be hundreds of years later in Daniel. But whatever is going to happen is going to happen soon. Don't seal it up because the time is near. Can I get an amen? Amen. Verse 12, behold, I'm coming soon. Oh, well, hold on, Tom. You keep talking about he's coming. That's the second coming. No, it's not. You need to understand prophetic language. Jesus has come. God has come to this earth many times. And He comes in judgment. You need to understand Old Testament language. When He talks about coming, He uses this same type of language. Those who were blessed enough to be in our study with Mark recently went through Mark 13 with me. Didn't you, class? Say yes. 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 And we learned that, in fact, a lot of the language we see in Mark 13 is very much reminiscent of this type of language. For your edification, I'm going to do that again because I think it makes our point. So I'm going to start next time with expanding upon this time reference that can't be ignored. My point to you is if you're going to ignore this, then I have no help for you. The book told me it's going to happen soon and the time is near. Don't roll up the scroll at the end. It's the end of the book. Don't roll it up, Jonathan. Don't close the book. I'm coming soon. You need to understand what's happening between the beginning and the end to understand what is going to happen in those 22 chapters. He's trying to help the churches who are being persecuted by a beast. Who is that beast? Is that the Antichrist? My next question to you is, where in the book of Revelation do we find the Antichrist? Your answer is, he's not. Okay, let's do this again. Where in the book of Revelation is the Antichrist? Stay with me. He's not. How do they get there? 
That's what I meant, Madeline, about unwinding. What you hear is that the Antichrist is in Revelation. He's the beast of Revelation. He's the prince in Daniel 7. He's the man of lawlessness in 2 Thessalonians. Oh, really? So, I need to unwind those things because that's what you've heard. The answer is he's not in Revelation. He's in John. And John explains who the Antichrist is. At least the nature of what the Antichrist is. He's anti-Christ. Can you say it with me? He's anti-Christ. There's many anti-Christ. Anything that's against Christ is anti-Christ. He's the anti-Christ, but John says there are many anti-Christs. And he says you know who he is. Meaning it had to be someone or something that they knew about. Please, time references. When a book says... When he had written to the Philippians and he says, this is for you, there, if he says something to a book that's written to a certain congregation that says it's in their past, it's in our distant past. If he says it's something that's happening now, it's still in our past. If he says it's something in your future, when he's talking to the book, it could still be in our past. Meaning a lot of what we see that he's saying will happen, is happening, is not is happening, will happening. The problem is people pick this up and say, look, it's talking to me. You forget that it had a purpose and an audience long before you. Don't be so prideful to think that this was for you right now. It is for you right now, but it wasn't to you right now. It had a purpose. Let's understand its purpose. Okay, I have to stop because I went well over my quota of time. I got a hand, then I got a hand, and then we'll go. Yep. And if you think I'm going to touch that right now, but yes. What do you got, Kim? Anything? No, sorry, you moved your hand. So, oh, you moved your hand. You get called. Yes, sorry. Yes, there is. Yes, there is. I'm going to be of that understanding. Uh, Rome is the beast that he's talking about. But you will come to that understanding if you don't understand the history. Oh, look at that. If you turn your pages, you're going to start seeing some, some Roman emperors. Maybe on, I can't say the page because I don't know it. Maybe like 13, 14, whatever. But we'll get to that, okay? Yes, I will give you my umbrella, what I believe it's saying, and then tell you why I believe it says what it says. Good enough? Fair enough? What is the one thing I taught you today? Don't ignore a time reference. And the book tells us it's going to happen soon. You can't throw that out. If you throw that out, you can make it say anything you want. Okay? Quickly. Quickly. Okay, we're done for today. Thank you for your attention. Yay.